Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. So my theme verse, as we're now in a new series on the Prophet series, my theme verse is Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1, where it reads, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Now, did you know that that is one of the most prayed verses of the Bible of revivalists? Did you know that those who hunger for revival as intercessors, that has historically been one of the primary verses that throughout the decades of church history, that revivalists and intercessors have prayed, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, because there is God's omnipresence, where God is everywhere at all times, one of the great historic doctrines of the church. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. But then there is where he is manifested, where his tangible manifested presence comes down among us. That is part of what Isaiah 64 is a reference to. So this particular podcast we're calling Prophetic Revivals. Again, it's a part of my personal storyline. Last time, I shared with you about some of my beginnings, the prayer walks on the railroad track, and my singing that I would do of songs and hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord, and how I would talk to God and God would talk back to me, about the Jesus People Movement and committing my life when I was 20 to a full-time Christian service, meeting the Jesus people, and then uh, getting knowing I found a tribe that I was born to be a part of, and, and then how I started prophesying, and the first prophecy I ever received, and, and then I moved on to serving where you want to go into then talking about a little story with Beheshavda and one with my prophetic papa, Bob Jones, who's now with the Lord. Well, let's develop some more storyline on prophetic revivals. Yes, it's true. I would do fast and pray two days every week. I read that John Wesley, who which I came from a Wesleyan tradition, that he would not ordain anyone to ministry unless they, I believe it was, fasted and prayed on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I thought, well, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Now, some of you out there would say, well, that's a religious spirit. And I'd say, no, it's not. It's hunger. I'd say this is a part of discipleship 
of aligning our life in hunger because sacrifice releases power. And so I, it can be religious works, but it was a hunger of my heart. So I started fasting two days every week. Then I started doing one 20-day fast every year. I did it for years. Now, my friend Mahesh Savda does, still to this day, two 40-day fasts every year. That man knows the fasted life and has moved in every gift of healing and working of miracles, the raising of the dead, the healing of AIDS, etc. Well, there might be a correlation. Prophetic revivals. In my own lifetime, I've been a part of some great moves of the Holy Spirit. Remember, I talked about in 1967, which I would have only been like 15 years old, it was a time of the birthing of the charismatic movement, the Jesus people movement, and the then the messianic movement, where Jewish people came to faith in Yeshua, Jesus as their Messiah. Then these different movements began to grow, and they led to other movements. The third wave movement, then in the 1980s, and I got to be a part of that. The spearhead known for that would have been John Wimber, who's known as the founder of the Vineyard, although that was actually Ken Gullickson. And, but John Wimber became the apostolic messenger of that third wave movement. Peter Wagner, who was one of my apostolic advisors, was also, they taught together at Fuller Seminary at one point in time. So I met John Wimber early on, became impacted. I became a part of a, what was called back years ago, the Kansas City Prophets. Paul Kane, Bob Jones, John Paul Jackson, myself, and a few others with Mike Bickle that were recognized by particularly John Wimber. And obviously, there's many different tribes and streams. It didn't mean that those were the only prophets. It's just these were seer prophets that got brought together. And there was Bishop Bill Hammond with his CI stream, which is one of the strongest prophetic streams in the world today. And he is still with us, where a lot of these older prophetic statesmen now have gone to be with the Lord. Bishop Bill Hammond just turned 85, and his lineage and legacy is tremendous. But I want to tell you my story, part of my storyline. So out of all this prayer and fasting and becoming a person who was known for a prophetic gift and a prophetic ministry, that I had had a visitation from the Lord that was to lay down my pastoral ministry call and to then consecrate myself to the ministry of a prophet. Along the way, there was a 21-day fast in the month of May in 1983, and we in our church at Harvest Fellowship Church in Warrensburg, Missouri, which is still there and doing better than it ever has, and um, uh, we did 21 days of prayer and fasting. We did, in fact, 21 nights of worship. And I remember the 19th night, I was touched by an angel while being on the platform. I started seeing visions with words of knowledge and healings, and, and a healing realm broke out in our midst that night. That was the night also there was a breakthrough in Kansas City on the 19th night. I knew that my life, my call, was destined to be a part of what God was birthing in Kansas City. So it took a little while, but then around 1986, 87, we moved as a family to Kansas City. And then I went on staff then for, you know, over a decade with Mike Bickle and, and the entourage and became numbered amongst those who were called. We did not call ourselves this. 
It was an Anglican bishop from England, David Pitches, and others who called us the Kansas City Prophets. So I became numbered amongst that group. I became Bob Jones's right-hand sidekick there for those early years, spent hundreds of hours praying with him for people and things of that nature. And it was a very high-potent period of time. Yes, it was. A lot of people, like in the Jesus People movement, some of the survivors of that are leaders in the body of Christ today. Some of the people in that period of time, in 1988 and that birth of the modern prophetic movement, they are now leaders today, fathers and mothers, like a Cindy Jacobs and, and a Bishop Hammond and, and a Rick Joyner and, and many others. So I was a part of that Kansas City experiment, the Kansas City prophets, where there were 10 years of morning, noon, and night prayer. And I was a part, I got to be a part of that, which Mike Bickle was the leader. And the Lord had clearly spoken to both Bob Jones and Mike Bickle that at the end of 10 years, something new would break forth in the earth. I'm now ministering in, in Indianapolis, Indiana, right at the end of the 10 years. And an angel came in the room where I was staying. An angel had a shofar, blew the shofar, woke me up, and the, the room was filled with the presence of destiny, and there were scores and scores, if not hundreds of angels. I saw them just being dispatched, going forth, going forth, and they were carrying fresh oil to anoint an entire company of people. And, and, um, and the word of the Lord came in the bedroom and says, this is the beginning of a great visitation. And yes, it was. Because at the end of 10 years of day and night prayer, three times a day, like Daniel, there was the birthing of something new. What was it? The Father's blessing in Toronto, Canada. And God used a humble, broken couple, John and Carol Arnott. And they were in the vineyard at the time. And then ended up having sustained meetings. Well, nine weeks before that outbreak occurred in Toronto, I was ministering in a suburb of Toronto. I did three or four days of teaching and ministering on fire on the altar, and John Arnott and Larry Randolph and Mark DuPont all came over one evening because they all knew that there was going to be something new was going to break forth in that area. And it sure did. And there was all kinds of empowering and manifestations of the Holy Spirit that was happening as I was teaching on that the fire shall be kept burning continually in the altar to never go out. And then that was where then at the end of that series of meetings where I had the dream of the lightning bolts, where the presence of God came crashing down and I wake up and, and in an amber lights written out in front of me is Job thirty six thirty two where it says, and he covers his hands with lightning, with glory, and he sends it forth to strike the mark. And the word strike the mark is the Hebrew word pergal. So you might want to get my book, Strike the Mark, because that's where the origins of it comes from. But it's what's interesting is that though the Holy Spirit broke out in that set of meetings in the first weekend of December, it wasn't sustained. My new book, The Prophet, is about creating and sustaining because it's not only about the new wine, you have to have the right wine skin. Nine weeks later, a little humble man from St. Louis named Randy Clark 
goes and he declares he's going on an apostolic mission. And he goes to Toronto, to John and Carol Arnott's church. I was at a different church. And the Holy Spirit was poured out and is still being poured out, created and sustained. New wine in a new wine skin. I've often been a forerunner. That's what prophets do. I wondered for years, well, Lord, I don't get it. Because everything happened when I was there, and I didn't get my name written up in the lights. Oh, my, that's sick motivation, isn't it? Well, God tests you, doesn't he? Years later, the Lord showed me something about my calling. He said, you know, if you had been known as the breaker for the Toronto outpouring, do you realize that you would not have been able to have done what you do today? Because I don't only call you to the front, I call you to the cave. I call you before me. And if you had been tagged as the breaker of the Toronto outpouring, you would have had lived up to that, and and you would have had to carry that like Randy does and has done extraordinary well. Randy was the right humble budding apostle that has become an apostle of healing today in the world. I love that man, by the way. I also was the first person to ever prophesy over Randy Clark. And so I've tended to be someone, as I've observed my track record, who picks up on key people. And I, like a Samuel, I can discern at times who's a special messenger, prophesy, pray, and impart to them, and then they become the spokesman. They become, but I might be a behind-the-scenes breaker. I might be a behind-the-scenes identifier. And then there are others who break through and pass through the gate then that others can go before. That's the nature of a forerunner, and that's been a tension I have had to learn about my life. That causes me to have to press into Jesus for my security and identity versus what movement did I create and or sustain? But I have rather been someone who's identified and then prophesied over things 15 years, 10 years, 3 years, 9 weeks before they break forth. That's Toronto. Let me give you another illustration in my prophetic revival history. I remember being in Texas, ministering with my friend Mickey Robinson. They bring this <clears throat> very attractive, this very handsome man to me with blonde hair and r- very nice clothing and a red silk tie and shoes so shiny you can see your face. He stands there in front of me, and I'm supposed to pray for him. Well, uh, my readout wasn't the best, and I was like, uh, like, uh, yeah, like, really, like, I don't know that he doesn't really want this, and I don't know if I really want to do it either. And then so I had to rise above, and I did, and <clears throat> I started seeing visions, and I started describing to this man who didn't flinch, didn't manifest, <coughs> excuse me, didn't even say thank you, and I started prophesying that he was soon 
going to be sent to another state. A fire would be lit under him like a rocket. I gave him scriptures that were details about his call and that the fire would be lit under him. I knew it was in the state of Florida and that he would be a rocket, a missile that would be sent forth and the fire of this would go around the world seven different times and da, 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 da. People came up to me and they said, how was it? And I said, well, it was the hardest person I ever prophesied to. That ended up with Steve Hill. Steve Hill, who lived in that area at that time, who then a few weeks later on the first Sunday in June went to Pensacola, to Brownsville, to do a one-time Sunday morning Father's Day message. And what happened? A fire got lit under that man, and it didn't go out for a long time. And that became the beginning of that historic Brownsville outpouring. Later, we were ministering together, Cindy Jacobs, myself, Claudio Friesen, and, and Rodney Howard Brown, and leaders from Brazil and Argentina, and apostles, and we were ministering at the World Congress on Evangelism in, in Guatemala, Guatemala City, and and, uh, and Steve Hill from the platform actually recognized me as the man who prophesied the beginning of the Brownsville Rip. Excuse me. Uh, the Brownsville outpouring. But you know what? This is not about what you do. It's who you are. Who you know. I've been a forerunner for Lou Engle. <laughs> And for different ones. And God's not finished with me yet, and God's not finished with you yet. Because if God can use me, He can use you. And because God is not a respecter of persons, and I've just rehearsed a little of my background, just a little, out of Kansas City, a little touch of Toronto, a little touch of Brownsville, Pensacola, and that God is not finished, and He has got the greatest a youth awakening on his heart that the world will ever see. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's right here, right now. Well, some questions from Jess. What hinders prophetic revivals? Competition. Insecurity fueled by competition. In the healing latter rain movements, it was competition that cut the great healing crusade short of Oral Robertson, T.L. Losburn, and A.A. A. Allen, and Jack Coe, and all, and William Branham, and all this. But there was an inbreeding of competition. It was who's going to have the largest tent? And so, and and, it, and it, sometimes it becomes about who has the biggest ministry, who has the biggest name. So one of the things that cuts prophetic revivals that hinders them is competition. So therefore, we need to learn to walk in teams. Teams are so important. Alignment is so important. Accountability is so important. So what hinders prophetic revivals, I always flat out say, is competition. I want us to know this. That one person's breakthrough is our breakthrough. The one church that experiences miracles, those are also our miracles. The one church that has explosion of growth, that is our growth. Because I declare a no competition zone in the body of Christ in Jesus' name. And, and, and we are one for all and all for one. 
and we learn to cheer and celebrate. So that's the opposite of what hinders a prophetic revival. That is what will help move one forward. Are revivalists or the pioneers who God used in revivals all prophetic men and women of God? Gloria Ann asked. Yeah, that's a great one. You know, they might be apostles, but they might not have been called that or know that. They might have been prophets, not know that or been called that. Some do know. They might have been evangelists. But they will primarily will be one of those three gift mixes, an apostle, a prophet, and evangelist. But you know who are some of the pioneers who actually break forth? Prayer warriors. Christine and Anna Smith, Peggy Smith, in the Hebrides Islands, were 84 and 82 years old, and they prayed the word of Isaiah 64, Oh, that you would rend the heavens that we started with and come down. And they were the two intercessors behind the scenes. Duncan Campbell got written up in the history books for the Great Hebrides Islands Revival. But behind the scenes, there were two sisters in their 80s praying. They were the breakers for the revivalist, for the revival of the historic proportions off of Scotland in the Hebrides Islands. Thank you, Gloria Ann, and thank you, Jess. Hey, it's just great to be with you. I just love doing these podcasts. I trust that you appreciate them as well. And this is James Gall, just tearing off a little bit of my part. I feel sort of like you know, Jesus with the disciples, and he took the bread and he broke it, and he said, here. And he broke it, and it was multiplied. He said, here. This is my body. Take and eat. And that's been my motivation in the previous podcast on if God can use me, why not you? And this one on prophetic revivals. I felt to go behind the scenes and tell you some of my journey to encourage you that God wants to use you as a modern-day Peggy and Christine behind the scenes to break through, to use you to be a forerunner and call that which is not as though it already is. And let me just give this pronouncement over you. The best wine is served at the last, that these are the days of the convergence of the ages, and we are crossing the threshold into the greatest youth awakening the world has ever seen. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.